Well, 2 Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be unto God, which always, say always, causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor, which means causes it to appear, be obvious, makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Say every place. Say always. Every place. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory. Everybody say victory. Say always. Every place. Say victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Clap your hands one more time under the Lord because Jesus is giving us the victory. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'll be speaking today on God's VIP. God's VIP. I'd just like to declare this whole church the VIP section. So you're coming Wednesday night to celebrate your anniversary, celebrate 23 years of what God has done. So this whole floor and those risers, this will be the VIP section on Wednesday night. So aren't you glad you're sitting in the VIP section? Amen. Now I'm going to help you understand what I'm talking about, but I want to start with a story of where this uh, thought came from in my spirit. I was... Uh, I do a lot of flying, and uh, I'm a Delta Diamond million miler, and I'm about to reach two million miles. And so when you get these little levels, you know, of uh, status, you start getting a little bit better service. <laughs> and so, so uh, many times, you know, I'll be flying, and I'll just go ahead and buy the economy fare ticket, but if there's a seat up there in first class, they'll give you a complimentary upgrade and let you be upgraded, and you can really feel like somebody, like you're a VIP, very important person. And I was flying through the Atlanta airport, which I think the whole world has to go through Atlanta, at least my world does. And I was in a situation where I had, they had upgraded me into first class. So I'm sitting in my first class seat enjoying my uh, seven up or ginger ale, whatever they had for me. And uh, as the flight progressed, we got delayed and then we hit some headwinds and then there was traffic in Atlanta and it got later and later and later, and I'm realizing it's getting to a situation where my connection is getting in jeopardy. And so I'm starting to get worried about it. And uh, I'm trying to calculate out the time, and then the longer we're delayed, not landing, the closer it's getting. And I start to get concerned because I'm supposed to be ministering that night. And I'm thinking, if I don't make that connection, I'm going to miss that service. And then all the preachers are going to be mad at me, and the ones that invited me are going to be mad at me, and then they're not going to invite me back to any more meetings, and then they're going to tell somebody else, and then they're not going to invite me, and my ministry could just end right here, right now. This could be my last, this could be it. Now, I don't know if that stuff ever happens to you, but you know, one little small thing can happen, and if you're not careful, your mind will just spiral you down to worst case scenario. Well, that's what started happening to me. After I got to thinking about that, I got to thinking, well, you know, if we can just get landed soon, I could, you know, slip out, get in front of some people, get through the door and run to the gate. And as I'm envisioning myself doing my run through the airport, I'm realizing that I am not 
as young as I once was or in any kind of good shape. And so now I'm imagining I'm trying to run to the gate and I get hyperventilated and fall over and have a heart attack. And I'm wondering if I at least fall near one of them defibrillators or something. And I'm seeing them in the airport. I'm having visions of this in my mind. You know, they've got the shocker on me and my body's popping up and everybody's standing around looking. And now with all of those visions going through my mind, I get to feeling very sympathetic and sorry for my family. I'm thinking, my poor wife, my poor children. God, what are they going to do? I've literally got tears swelling up in my eyes as I am considering the fact that my wife's not going to have a husband. My children are not going to have a father. It's terrible. I haven't prepared enough money. They're going to be destitute. They're going to be on the street. This is horrible. God, my heart is pounding. I'm about to have a heart attack just sitting there. I am, this thing is just unfolding in me as the end, the apocalypse is happening in my spirit. We finally do get landed. I have worked out my strategy that if I can just not be rude, but just sort of be a little aggressive and get in front of some folks and get out that door, and I, I might just barely possibly make this flight. But I was the, I was the first one off the plane. <laughs> Kind of maneuvered my way in and got out. Soon as I walk off the flight, there is a Delta employee representative standing there with an iPad. And it's got my name on it. I said, hey, that's me. He said, is that your luggage? I said, it is. He said, I am here to provide you with VIP service. You have a close connection. I said, well, yes, I do. <laughs> Never heard of this. I didn't even know what's going on. Instead of going down the jetway and out into the airport, I come off the plane and out that side door that if you go out that door, they will arrest you. Down the steps, at the bottom of the steps, he has a Porsche. Puts my luggage in, opens the door, puts me in the Porsche. We are riding around outside the airport, taking me over to my gate. My wife asked me later, she said, did you take any pictures? I said, no. I was acting like I do this every week. Hey, how you doing today? I, was, I mean, I adjusted so fast. I was just settling in, you know. The guy could have been kidnapping me. I didn't, I've never seen any of this stuff happen in my life. I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> could have kidnapped me. Takes me around to my gate outside, takes me up the steps, gives me my luggage, and says, looks like you'll have about five or seven minutes before they start boarding. I had to sit down and wait. A few minutes. They start boarding. I'm upgraded again. First class onto my destination. All is well. So what actually happened was I was having the best travel day ever and having a meltdown the entire time. And that's where this message was born. I'm not here to preach to you about being a very important person. I'm here to preach to you about being a victory in progress. And what I learned about victory is that victory doesn't always look like victory when it's unfolding. I'm having visions of late flights and missed ministry and all kinds of catastrophic events, none of which came to pass. 
But while I am imagining worst case scenario, I'm actually living best case scenario. I've come to tell somebody today that God is organizing a victory in your life right now. It makes no difference what it looks like, what it feels like. Victory doesn't always look like victory. Victory doesn't always feel like victory. And what you're going through is not necessarily what you're going to. Negative, frustrating, discouraging events often disguise the victory that is unfolding in your life. And I feel that prophetic anointing today to tell somebody, it may not feel like it, it may not look like it, but you are God's VIP. You are a victory in progress. This church is a VIP church. Are you hearing me? This church is a victory in progress. I'm sure it's not all been rosy roads. I'm sure it's not always been wonderful. There have been some dark trials, some difficult moments. There have been some big devils. There have been some dark trials and difficult nights. But through it all, thanks be to God, which always... Oh, I've got to pause on that word, which always causes us to triumph. Can I encourage you to walk by faith, trusting in the Lord? You're experiencing a victory right now, no matter what it feels like. If you believe that, give the Lord some high praise. You need to gather in here Wednesday night, sing, shout, dance, run these aisles, thank God for what he's done because this church is a victory in progress and it's going to continue to be a victory in progress. It's unfolding for the church. It will unfold for your family. You stay with this thing. You stay in the boat. You stay in the ark of safety. You ride this wave and I promise you God will bless and help and deliver and bring you through. If not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, this week. If not this week, then next week. Come on somebody. I'm in this thing to win this thing and God is giving us the victory now 1 Corinthians 2 14 releases a very powerful impartation and I want you to remember the Bible's not a self-help book it's a God help book the Lord is our help this is not power of positive thinking this is faith in God so this is a divinely inspired, God-breathed, irrevocable, irrefutable truth. God always causes us to triumph. That's all right. You're a little old weak, you know, whatever. I'm, I got a stubborn faith in me today. I'm going to say it again. God always causes us to triumph. 
I'll just, I'll just lean into the wind of opposition. I'll lean into the wind of all the negative evidences. I'll lean into the wind of all the opposing lying voices of this world. And I will say again, God always causes us to triumph. Now, I know why we struggle with it. It's easy to miss the profound spiritual release because, number one, it's just so simple. That's not a very complex statement. doesn't need a lot of explanation. It's simple. And not only is it simple, it's in an obvious contradiction to so many of our circumstances in life. You just have to remember that all things work together for good to them that are the called according to his purpose. This verse is stubborn. It proclaims victory no matter what. Doesn't stop and ask you how are things going? How's your year been so far? How have things been lately? Just said God causes us to triumph and doesn't really ask you how things are going. No inquiry of your current financial condition. Doesn't inquire how things are going at work. How's your career path unfolding? How, there's no provision seemed to be made here for difficult family situations. No special exceptions for those who are struggling with their health, have pain in their body. So we're sitting here with all of these conditions of life, these pains and these sufferings and these sorrows and this grief and this hurt of humanity. Seem like we're going up the rough side of the mountain and down the rough side of the mountain and everything's hard and difficult and we're struggling and we're trying to press through and without any uh, concern, without any taking those variables into account, it just simply says God always causes us to triumph. I think that's why the verse begins with thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Come on, somebody, you need to give the Lord some praise right now from whatever situation you're in. Whatever circumstance you're fighting, if you're in pain in your body, give the Lord some praise from that pain. If you've got a terrible diagnosis over you, they've said you've got a tumor or a cancer or something going on, your blood pressure's up, you got a blockage in a valve somewhere, they've told you you got arthritis, I wish somebody with arthritis would just go ahead and worship the Lord. Somebody that's financially really struggling right now, go ahead and worship the Lord. Don't let your mind spiral down to the worst case scenario. There's a victory unfolding here somewhere. There's victory in Jesus, our Savior forever. The song said he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Here's another one we used to sing back in the old church. Victory, victory shall be mine. Victory, victory shall be mine. If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles, victory, victory shall be mine. Some
somebody look at your darkness look at that devil look at all that grief and sorrow and just say victory victory shall be mine I'm God's VIP I'm on my way I'm not staying here what I'm going through is not who I am this is just a season this too shall pass I'm on my way up I'm on my way through I walk through this valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil because after all it's just a shadow it's not the valley of death it's the valley of shadows some of you are dealing with some shadows but there's a light shining on the other side of whatever's blocking you right now and I've just come to prophesy you through that valley I've come to preach you up that mountain you're going to make it you're going to be alright you're God's VIP and I feel the Holy Ghost here today to give somebody some VIP service into your next anointing would you clap your hands and magnify the Lord let God arise let God arise and let his enemies be scattered Woo! I want you to clap your hands one more time I feel some scattering let God arise and let his enemies be scattered Let me speak a word of prophecy over you, the most simplistic, simple, don't expect this to be complex and have any wow factor to it, but I feel it's strong in the Holy Ghost. God will make a way for you. How many believes he's a way maker? Don't, don't we sing he's a way maker? Don't we believe he's a way maker? Well, let me release this prophetic unction into the atmosphere today. He is a way maker and God will make a way for you. God is making a way for you. It is unfolding, transpiring. You know, God works the night shift. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. How many times have you pulled out in front of a car and they're on the horn letting you know it? Just because you didn't see them doesn't mean they weren't there. Pushing your buggy around the corner at Walmart about to knock somebody over or they about to knock you over. Just because you didn't see them doesn't mean they weren't there. Well, I got to help somebody today. You don't see it, but I've come to tell you it's there. You know, I don't know why this came to my mind, but it did. You know, sometimes a prophet's like a C&I dog for the spiritually blind. Let that sink in a little while. Amen. Trying to tell somebody today, I know you don't see it, but I see it, and I'm telling you, it's there. There's a victory. There's an anointing. There's a blessing. You're not going to always be sad. You're not going to always be discouraged. You're not going to always be in the valley. You're not going to always be fighting the devil. You're not going to be sorrowful forever. Come on. There's joy coming in the morning. I see you smiling. I see you happy. I see you giving the Lord the praise and the glory. I see you saying, Lord, Look what the Lord has done. I can hear your testimony out there in the future. I hear you saying the Lord came through. If it hadn't have been for the Lord, I don't know what we would have done. But look what the Lord has done. Somebody shout, I receive it. 
Now, this idea of God will make a way for you, he's a way maker. That really, that really kind of came to my spirit a while back. I kind of had this idea about that, that, you know, out there behind some mountain around the corner down some very narrow trail was a secret door. And if you could find it, that the way is there. You know, few there be that go in there at. There's always a way, but it's just a few very fortunate people that ever find that secret passageway to victory. And I'm always trying to find it, looking behind every bush and around every corner. Where's the secret door? Open says of me. But a while back, I got a whole different revelation on that. It's like the Holy Ghost said to me, no, I'll make a way for you, for me. Yes, just for you. In other words, God will customize tailor-made situation just for whatever it is you happen to be going through. I've come to tell somebody today, God is customizing a situation right now. It's going to be a tailor-made situation that fits you better than it would fit anybody else. As a matter of fact, it may not even work for me, but it'll work for you. What God, the way God makes for me may not work for you. The way God makes for you may not work for me, but God loves us so much, he'll make a way for you. He'll open a door for you. He'll set up a situation that works for you. Oh, I guess I'm going to have to prove it. You got your skeptical minds all going. I'll give you some Bible for it. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was an interpreter of dreams. Joseph saw his future, saw his destiny, saw the sun and the moon and the stars, saw the sheaves bowing down, saw God's elevation of his life. You know, starting Revelation, you get one of these days. Other folks aren't always as happy about your elevation as you are. His brethren got jealous, threw him in the pit. He ends up uh, over in Egypt. Potiphar's wife lies on him. He ends up in prison. <laughs> God's VIP. He doesn't look much like a VIP. Probably doesn't smell much like a VIP. Rotting away in a prison, had all these dreams and visions and gifting from the Lord. You know, your gifting can get you in trouble sometimes. I got a little revelation for you. When you get in trouble, if you don't get a bad attitude, if you don't get bitter, you don't get mad at everybody and quit, the same gift that gets you in trouble is the same gift that will get you out of trouble. Joseph is a valuable lesson for all of us. Because even though it was his gifting that got him sent over to Egypt and finally thrown in prison while he's in prison, he keeps doing what he does. He keeps, he keeps being what he is, and he starts interpreting dreams for the other prisoners. Just use your anointing and gifting and faith wherever you happen to land and let God work out the details. 
So the baker and the butler that were thrown in prison, they have dreams. They tell their dreams to Joseph. Joseph interprets the dreams, tells the, tells the uh, baker, you're going to the gallows, and the butler, you're going back to your position. And when you do, don't forget me. Well, that didn't work. The butler dies, or the baker dies. The butler goes back to his place and forgot all about Joseph. That's what people do. They forget you when their problems work out. Until one day, it comes time for God to get Joseph out of prison. He's going to make a way for Joseph. So here's what he does. He gives Pharaoh a dream. And no one can interpret it. And it's becoming quite a situation. And that butler finally remembers, wait a minute. There was this guy in prison. He interpreted dreams for everybody, and they always came true. Like he said, they call for Joseph. They come get him. He gets a little clean up, a shower and a shave, and heads off to see Pharaoh. And can you just imagine while they're taking it, he said, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Where, where am I going? What are you doing with me? He said, well, we've got this situation, see? Well, what is it? What's it have to do with me? Well, well Pharaoh's had a dream. What? You mean to tell me all I got to do to get out of here is do the one thing I do easier and better than I do anything else in life? If you can interpret Pharaoh's dream, you're out of here. Dreams is my thing. Dreams is what I do. Do you realize what God did? God set up a situation that was tailor-made to Joseph's strength. All Joseph had to do was do the one thing he'd been doing his whole life. Do the one thing he did better than he did anything, anything else in life. And that became his way out. I'm telling somebody, God will set up a situation that is tailor-made to your strength. It'll be tailor-made to your personality. It'll be tailor-made to how you think, to how you function. He can use your job skills. He can use your personality skills. He can make a way with whatever it is you have to offer. If you're a worshiper, he can use worship. If you're a prayer warrior, he can use prayer. If you're a studier, he can use a word or a book. I'm telling you, he can make a way based on who you are and what you have. And Joseph comes out of the prison just doing the one thing that he did better than he did anything else in life. Ooh, somebody ought to shout yes. Pastor, you've been here long enough now that you have taken authority and control over the spiritual realm. Things are lined up. It's like a wind of favor at your back. Things are lined up. And I'm telling you, God has created a situation that is tailor-made to your ministry, tailor-made to your strengths, tailor-made to what you do better than you do anything else in life. You just keep doing what you do because God's going to make what you do work where you do it. I wish I get somebody to have some faith here today that it's not going to be as hard as you think it's going to be. It's not going to be complicated. It's not going to be difficult. It's not going to be mysterious. God's going to set it up. All you have to do is walk in and do what you do and it's going to work. Somebody shout yes. There's a story in the Old Testament I'll tell you real quick. It's about um, King Jehoshaphat. They're getting ready to go to battle, and everybody's nervous and worried about it. And so uh, he calls a, what we used to call them, saints meeting. 
That's when you didn't invite visitors because, you know, you had to talk about business at a church and it was going to get a little sticky. <laughs> Saints meetings when you, you know, handled the dirty laundry of the church. Uh, we didn't put that stuff on Facebook back in our day. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Hallelujah. Don't recommend you do it now. They meet to see what's going to happen, see what's way things are going to go while they're all worried and they're all upset and everybody's got nervousness in their heart. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20:14, then upon Jehazel, no idea who this fella is, never heard of him. They tell him he's the son of Zechariah and then they go through his lineage. Upon Jehazel, just somebody out there in the congregation came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he rises up and says, Hearken ye Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Simply set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. Just tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Let me speak something into your anniversary. Let me speak something into your future. I'm telling you, you're not going to need to fight in this battle. God is with you. God's going to defend his church. He died for his church. He built his church on a rock. God's going to fight for this church, pastor. God's going to fight for this church. God's going to fight for you. God's going to fight for your family. God's going to fight for your ministry. The angels of heaven are God's secret service and they are surrounding God's VIPs. I've got to tell somebody today the church is a shield of faith around you. This church is a shield of faith around your family. I'm telling you, everything's going to be all right. You're not going to have to strategize. You're not going to have to war. You're just going to have to set yourselves. You know what I made up my mind a few years ago? When I get all upset and sidewinded and crooked about what the Supreme Court's doing and about what Congress is doing and about what one political party is doing or another political party is doing, I decided to just push all that to the side and just set myself. They can do what they want. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live by the Bible. We're going to live by the principles. They can believe it any way they want to. They can do anything they want to do. But I am going to live for God. Somewhere you've got to set your feet down and say, this is where I stand. This is what I believe. This is how I'm going to live. Let a thousand fall on my left hand. Let 10,000 fall on my right. It's not coming near me because the Lord is my help and the Lord is my strength and I'm in this world but I'm not of this world and this battle's not mine this battle is God's so Jehoshaphat got him a good battle strategy he said well if we're not gonna have to fight if we're not gonna have to war then we may as well worship so he got all the big bruisers in, out of the front and sent them to the back and said, get me a keyboardist. Get me a tambourine player. Get me some guitars. Get me some drummers. Get me some singers. If we're not going to war, then we're going into this thing worshiping. I got a little revelation for you. 
You ought to snatch this up and make this part of your philosophy and your future, your principles for this church. If you will worship more, you will warfare less. Because God says, if you're willing to go to worship, then I'll go to war. God would rather have you worshiping than warring. So while you're here at the church, instead of sitting there worrying and wringing your hands about all the problems waiting for you at home, all the issues that are going on in your family, all the situations going on with children and grandchildren, why don't you try worshiping? And while you're worshiping, let God set some ambushments against your adversary. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, if this church will go to worship, God will go to war against the situations. You've got to let go and lift up those holy hands. Somebody ought to shout with the voice of triumph and say, God, I'm gonna worship you and let you fight my battle. I'm gonna worship you and let you work out my situation. I'm gonna worship you and let you make a way for me. Somebody shout, yes! Some years ago, I was pastoring in Lynchburg, Virginia. It was in the very early years, first couple years I was there. We was living in the basement of the church, only had a small congregation, 30, 50 people maybe. I think we might have 50 about this time. I wanted to have a citywide crusade because I've always had big visions and dreams and, you know, big aspirations. So I put up posters all over the place, went downtown, rented the Armory 2,000-seat auditorium, and... uh, I went to general conference while we were planning all that stuff. As a young preacher, sitting around with some of my young preacher friends, telling them all my dreams and visions. We're having a citywide crusade, Pentecost Sunday. I've rented the armory. We're going to go down there. We're gonna, I'm bringing in a singing group. We're just, it's going to be magnificent. About that time, Brother Tinney walked by, one of our elders, United Pentecostal Church. I yelled out. I said, I said Brother Tinney, I said, we're having a crusade in Lynchburg. What would be a good theme or a good slogan? He stopped. Jesus. You know us young guys, we wanted something neat, something to put up on the screen, you know, something really snazzy. He said, Jesus. He said, son, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He said, you don't have to defend a lion. Just loose him and let him go. He'll take care of himself. Oh, you missed it. You all got to read your Bible, study more. Pray for the spirit of revelation to get on you. You missed the whole point. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah is the tribe of praise. That's why we sing send up Judah and all that kind of stuff. Because Judah was the the son of praise, the tribe of praise and worship. And so if he's the lion of the tribe of praise, that means when we get to worshiping and shouting hallelujah, and you think we're just making noise and we're just being emotional and we're just trying to work ourselves up into a lather. No, when God's people begin to worship, you loose the lion. When you begin to shout hallelujah, you're letting the lion out. I'm prophesying to this church, your next faith, 
praise, your next level, your next dimension. This church needs to elevate its worship. Every single individual here, you need to get the cobwebs out. You need to get your volume up. You need to get your expression a little greater because when we get to worshiping, the lion is going to get to roaring. If you can just imagine that while you're shouting hallelujah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is roaring fear into the heart of your adversary. While you come to church and shout and dance, God is setting ambushments against your enemy. God can work it out while you're worshiping it out. I've got a, I've been doing this stuff for 35 years, friends. I'm telling you, you can worship your way through. You can win it through worship. You can worship until it changes. You, you don't have to melt down. You don't have to be sitting in first class having nightmares. You can be enjoying the blessings of God and say, God's going to make a way. I'm God's VIP. I am a victory in progress. Would you stand with me across this auditorium? I'm going to make a hard right turn on you right here. Musicians, if you would come, gather in place as fast, as quickly as you can. We're going to enter into some ministry of the Holy Ghost right here. Begin to think about God and the nature of God in this concept of victory. And I noticed something in the scripture. God always speaks and acts from a context of certain victory. For God, it's never a variable. It's never a concern. He knows the end from the beginning. He just reaches out there in the future somewhere and tells you what's getting ready to happen. We were, we were laughing this morning in the office, Pastor and I, my good friend Nick Mahaney that preached so marvelously Friday night at the camp meeting. Back in his early days, he got banned from the camp meeting. He said he'd ride by the campground, throw whiskey bottles out the window up onto the campground yard. And while all that's going on, God's looking down saying, there's my VIP right there. Check him out. Because God could look down the road and he saw Friday night. While Nick's throwing a whiskey body out and cussing at the campground, God saw Friday night, oh, it won't be long. I'm, I'm taking you someplace. I'm going to answer the prayers of your father. I'm going to answer the prayers of your interceding mother. Amen. I, I'm, I, you're, you're my VIP. You don't look like one. He always speaks from victory. So God tells Moses, just sort of matter-of-factly, go into the promised land, possess the land. I've given you the land. He doesn't tell him anything about giants, walls, nothing. He tells him it's, it's yours. Because I learned something about God. He is not acquainted with defeat. He's never, ever been defeated. Not even one single time. He always ends in victory. Now, this is going to minister in the Holy Ghost. He is acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with sorrow. He was acquainted with suffering. He was acquainted with pain. He was acquainted with betrayal. He was acquainted with rejection. 
he was acquainted with death. That tells me that sorrow is not the same as defeat. Betrayal is not the same as defeat. Hurt, pain, grief, suffering, not the same as defeat. He went through all of those things and yet has never lost a victory, uh, lost a battle. I need to tell somebody today, simply because you're hurting, simply because you're fighting battles you've not won yet, does not mean you're defeated. When somebody betrays you, when somebody hurts you, when life lets you down, when you fail or mess up somewhere, that does not mean you're defeated. Amen. You can go through those things and still have the victory I need to speak into somebody's life this morning if you can worship where you are you can let the lion out the battle's not yours but God's and if you will let the lion roar on your behalf while the tears of pain are rolling down your cheeks while the grief seems to be suffocating your soul you can still have the victory in Jesus the ministering angels of the Lord are here. I was preaching one time years ago in our one of our very notable churches, the Pentecostals of Alexandria. Halfway through my message, I was preaching about the Lord as our shepherd. A man way in the back stood up and with a loud booming voice began to speak out, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Of course, as a minister in the middle of the sermon, I kind of paused and looked around to see what was going on. Pastor Mangan slipped up in my ear and said, if you would just be kind enough to give him a moment. We buried his eight-year-old boy this week. Here's a man. I cannot wrap my brain around the grief. I don't know how to understand that depth. But in the middle of it, he was able to stand up and say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my help. There's a victory here somewhere. I don't know how to get to it. I don't know where it is. But I'm God's VIP. And he said he'd always cause me to triumph. So somewhere, someday, some way, somehow, I'm coming out on the other side of this pain. And the Lord's going to help me. I need somebody that is suffering, somebody that is in pain, maybe physically in your body. The Lord has already spoken to us this morning that there's going to be tremendous healings. I've got the oil bottle up out here because I'm going to come down in a few minutes and be laying hands and anointing with oil. You've got a severe pain in your body, a pain in your heart. You've been struggling and been gasping for air and the devil's been trying to make you feel defeated. Would you step out in one of these aisles right here, walk down to this front, lift your hands, bow down and worship however you want to do it. You're a VIP. I, I I wish I could put your name on my iPad here today and say, I'm here to provide you with VIP service. I know it looks rough. I know you can't figure out how you're going to make it. I know you don't know what to do next. But I've been sent as an angel of the Lord to tell you there's VIP service for someone here today. Come on into the winner's circle. Come on, step on in. Ministering angels are already gathered around.
Just because you're hurting doesn't mean you're helpless. Just because you've been set back, just because you've had a stumbling moment, just because you're grieving, just because you're frustrated, that doesn't mean it's not gonna work out all right. You're not to the end of this thing yet. It's gonna work out. God's gonna do it in the name of the Lord. The ministering spirits are already flowing. If you are a minister of the church, take your liberty to begin to find somebody and pray over them. Begin to lay hands on them and minister to them. Let's lift this up without words for just a few minutes, but lift the music up a little more. Create an atmosphere. I see the music like a cloud of glory over this sanctuary right now. Loose the lion. Worship in your pain. Worship in your confusion. Worship through your frustration. You don't have answers, but you have a God. He'll make a way. He'll make a way where there is no way. Find somebody to minister with right now. The gifts of healing are working from the inside out this morning. You're God's VIP. I know it doesn't feel like a victory. I know it doesn't feel like something joyous. But it will before it's over. Just because you feel defeated doesn't mean you are defeated. Did you hear me? Just because you feel defeated doesn't mean you are defeated. The gifts of healing are flowing through this sanctuary. Some of it is emotional healing. Some of it is mental renewing. God is restoring your mind, renewing your thinking. He's ministering to broken spirits and broken hearts and broken faith, broken desire, broken passion, visions that you've given up on, futures that you've given up on. God's restoring, refreshing, renewing. There's gifts of healing for the human body. Come on. Soak in it. I release the gifts of healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I release the gifts of healing to flow through this house. Lord, heal us of our cancer. Heal us of our arthritis. Heal us of our 
bone diseases and muscle diseases and heart problems and stomach issues and kidneys and livers, spleens and back problems, injuries. Oh. Come on, singers, lead us into battle this morning. We don't have to war. We're going to worship. While we're singing, ambushments are being set against the adversary. Can you imagine that the battle's being won? I pray the prayer of faith over you right now. I release your miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You came needing a miracle. He's a miracle worker. You can't do it. I can't do it. Only Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus. I anoint you with the oil. The oil of anointing. The oil of the miraculous. The oil of the supernatural. The Lord do the work from the inside out. Welcome. Welcome to the VIP section of life. That's right. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. God's doing a work on your behalf. With the anointing of oil, I pray for the elder today. Mighty man of God, mighty man of valor, strengthen him. Extend his years. Extend his physical body, Lord. Extend it, O oh God. Take pain and suffering out of his body today. I release a miracle. I release a miracle upon my brother in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord's doing it. The Lord's doing it. You're leaving this service with an anointing that you didn't come with. The Lord's doing the work. It's unfolding. Your faith is making a way. Your love for the Lord is making a way. You're God's project. That's right, pray in the Holy Ghost. I hear the lion roaring. If you need a physical healing in your body while I'm moving through here, just tap me or get my attention. I'll come anoint you with oil. Physical healings. In the name of the Lord, I release your miracle. I release the miracle of your healing in the name of Jesus. Anybody else over on this side? Anybody over in here, you need me to pray for healing? I'll pray for you. 
in the mighty name of Jesus I pray the prayer of faith I pray for my brother Lord Jesus touch him Lord Jesus heal him I release a miracle to you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus physical healing I release your miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the anointing oil I release your miracle you are a believer <laughs> you're a believer you're one who believes go ahead and exercise your faith today you don't know how far you're going to go you don't know what all the Lord's going to do it's going to be magnificent and glorious I release a miracle into your body I release a miracle into your body I release your miracle in Jesus name here I release your miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I loose a miracle to you right now I release your miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Lord God turn it around from today forward turn it around from today forward anybody else over here on this side I release your miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I release it it has to come down from heaven but it's coming down 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 right now coming down 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 right now in the name of Jesus You? Lord, I release a miracle upon my brother today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do the work, the hidden work, but make it notable. You got healed with celiacs a couple weeks ago. All right. I want you to help me pray for them. Put your hands on them with me. In the name of the Lord, I release a miracle for this celiac. Turn it around, overturn it. It's happened once. Let this be number two. Healing. I release your miracle. Number three. In the name of Jesus, I release the flow to continue. Receive your miracle. Receive your miracle. Receive the miracle. Somebody was waving at me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I curse this diabetes and I release you from it. Lord, looser, I release a miracle in the name of Jesus. I release a miracle, a miracle into his body. I release your miracle today, the miracle you need for you in the name of Jesus. If you want prayer, just let me know. Lord, Take the pain, discomfort out of her body. I release your miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I release a miracle into your body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, with the anointing oil and with the prayer of faith, I release a miracle into your body right now. <laughs> oh, yes, faith will do the work. 
it don't take a whole lot just a little use what you got it's you have enough faith I need to tell you you have enough faith the Lord loves you enough just wave at me or get my attention in the mighty name of Jesus laying on of hands he said call for the elders of the church they'll anoint with oil they'll pray the prayer of faith and the Lord shall raise them up raise him up lift this up to the level of a notable miracle in the name of the Lord I release a miracle in your body in the name of Jesus folks I'm telling you there's a lot of miracles happening down here right now in the name of Jesus I release your miracle I release it into your body right now divine turnaround who else Oh, let's believe the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus dissolve, disappear, evaporate, be gone in the name of Jesus don't show up, don't be there be gone, you're a trespasser, a thief, a robber she's baptized in the name of Jesus she's the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost Jesus name In the mighty name of Jesus, I curse this inflammation in her body in the name of the Lord. Receive a miracle in the name of Jesus. Lord, this vertebrae, I need you to reform it, reshape it, recreate it. As she lays upon her bed tonight, reshape that vertebrae if you could take a rib out of adam while he's asleep you could fix a vertebrae in our precious mother while she sleeps grant her this miracle in the name of the lord in the name of jesus i curse this diabetes level him out Give him a blood transfusion. Touch, Lord, the insulin levels in his body, all of his inner organs. Take control over his whole system right now. Baptize him in the healing power of the name of Jesus. Jesus, Lord, from the top of her head to the sole of her feet, from the inside to the outside I release the gifts of healing they will come and they will stay and they will be resident for some time now to help you Lord I release a miracle to my brother you're a turnaround God Lord the pain the discomfort the doubts the fears but yet he's a victory in progress it's unfolding in the name of the Lord, I grant you a miracle. In the name of Jesus, I speak to this tear. Be healed. Be restored. Be restored. Be renewed. In Jesus' name, I grant a miracle.
We're praying over a grandbaby here that was born with some kind of a muscle problem in her jaw. Would you just lift your hands and pray with us right now? We agree together right now. In the name of Jesus for Vera Annabelle. As she grows, let her heal. Let every day be a day in the right direction. Set the course. Set the direction. Move it forward day by day, week by week, month by month, until the day comes, there's no, there's nothing left. Let the illness fade away and let the miracle take position in Jesus' name. Let me, let me just talk to you for a minute. I've done through the years hundreds and hundreds of healing type services. One of the more notable ones in Denham Springs, Louisiana, a very large church. I, I think their auditorium seats about 1,500. And on the yearly healing service, they have a community-wide healing service where people can just bring six folks to be healed. We generally sing about three or four songs preach about 10 or 15 minutes and then the whole church has been on a prayer and fasting all week we line the church up in the in the aisles on both sides and make healing lines down all five or six aisles and then here come the sick folks down through the line get the ministers at the end of each line anointing with oil when they finally get down through there and fiddle them into the altar and the music plays as we spend sometimes up to two hours just laying hands on the sick. We generally try to get the worst case scenarios through first, the wheelchairs and the blind people and those that are on oxygen tanks because they bring them in every condition so that they don't have to be there long. They can get prayed for and go. Let me tell you what I've seen. Now, there's been a lot of miracles happen just right there. But when you're trying to pray for 1,000 people or 1,500 people, you don't get to pray long, flowery prayers. As a matter of fact, an hour in, <laughs> starting to get a little tired. I've literally stood in the middle of that church with the anointing oil bottle and just said, in Jesus' name, receive your miracle. In Jesus' name, receive your miracle. In Jesus' name, receive your miracle. Literally for hundreds of people. Didn't feel nothing, see nothing, no evidence of anything. One of the most notable ones they bought a, brought a fella through, paraplegic, in a wheelchair, twisted, turned, head bent sideways, arms folded, legs twisted together. We were at that stage. In Jesus' name, receive your miracle. Rolled him through and rolled him out. Pastor called me three days later. He said, I got to tell you this. He said, you know that fella they rolled through? I said, yeah, I remember him. He said they took him for therapy. And in therapy, he shocked his therapist when he stretched his arms out straight to her. Well, that caught the therapist's attention. Started talking with him and moving him. He started making words. She said, are you wanting to try to do something more? Yes. She got him out of that chair on his feet. He said, Brother Kleindens, they've had their third session this week. This paraplegic walked 90 steps. 
Now, I'm telling you, folks, you wouldn't have guessed he would have fell out of that wheelchair, let alone walk. I didn't see nothing, feel nothing, but we spoke the name of Jesus. I could tell you a thousand stories like that. The gifts of healing are as strong in this service today as any service I've ever been in in my life. And I've seen blind eyes, deaf ears, crippled people, uh, handicapped, get out of wheelchairs. And I'm telling you, the gifts of healing are as strong here as I've ever felt it. Tumors, cancers, shadows, lumps, bumps on x-rays. And don't be afraid to go to your doctor. You don't have to be anti-doctor to have faith. They got all kinds of fancy equipment over there. They can look inside you and see all kinds of stuff we don't know. Amen. Do due diligence. God heals you, he'll show up on their x-ray. You don't have to be afraid of that. That's not now. Now, hospitals are always a doubt. Don't let the doubt get on you. Everybody's dying. Everybody's sick and all the doctors are there to find out what's wrong with you. So they're always telling you what the problem is. See, they're not there to lift you up. They're there to explain to you what the problem is. So sometimes that can make you full of doubt. But don't be mad at your doctor just because he found something in you. If you find out something's wrong with you, now you know how to pray. Now you know what to call out. And when the Lord heals you, you can go back and they will document the difference. I am telling you right now, there's been a number, a mighty number of healings, turnarounds, restoration. You're going to start feeling better. I, I laid hands on a number of you. I really feel when you sleep tonight, there's going to be a healing angel of the Lord that's going to be by your bed. You know, if you want to have dreams from God and visions from the Lord, and why don't you try praying a little bit before you go to bed? Put some good music on. Listen to some Bible. Create an atmosphere in your room. Amen. Right before you turn the light out, go to sleep in the presence of the Lord. Angels of healing can be there. While Adam slept, God made a woman. He said, hey, I'm sleepy again, God. What else you got? <laughs> Amen. You never know what God can do while you're sleeping. Amen. Well, I better quit. I'm getting carnal now. Trying to be spiritual. You have one of the most incredible opportunities here in this church. You are a good church. You're spiritual. For the most part, you seem happy. You, it wouldn't hurt you to be a little more aggressive. You know, we've been doing this a long time. When altar call starts, it says come if you need something. You don't have to wait till the seventh appeal the ninth invitation I know you're Arkansas conservatives and you're moving slow and thinking it all through but you know by the, by the time we get to the altar call hopefully you've made up your mind <laughs> and one of the powers of the Pentecostal experience is being spontaneous and when the when the Lord moves you got to move when the water's troubled you got to get in so just as a little casual observation you might want to be a little more aggressive. Well, not might. I'm trying to be polite. I'm just going to have to say it. You need to be more aggressive. You need to be a little more boisterous. 
You don't have to get out of your seat, climb the wall, bite the ceiling. But uh, it's not that hard to say amen and hallelujah to support the ministry of the word. And you know, there's enough people, you get enough people doing that, it creates a very strong flow. And there's an anointing that is upon the minister. There's an anointing on the congregation. And as a matter of fact, the anointing on you, the Bible talks about it like it's an anointing that comes down upon the head of Aaron. I believe it's like a second portion. It's a double portion anointing. I can preach in a library if I have to. It ain't no fun. Probably nothing will happen. But I'm anointed. I can do what I got to do no matter what. But when a congregation like you, flowing, responding, like you did today, responding, getting with the ministry, then it opens up the atmosphere. That lion gets to roaring mighty loud. <laughs> I felt like I heard him roar in the background today, didn't you? He's roaring on behalf of this church. Would you aggressively clap your hands, aggressively shout praise the Lord? Yeah, there you go. See, do you feel that? You feel the little extra snap? The little extra snap in that? The little extra power? Somebody lift up your voice shouting hallelujah. Listen to that. Listen to that. Woo! All right. I, I got to do one more thing here. I should leave it right there because that was a real positive exit point. But, but I, I just, this came to my mind. I want to show you this. And then I'll, then I'll get out of your way. I need, I need somebody down here to volunteer that's not intimidated to worship. You don't mind worshiping? Okay. You pretty wild one. Can you clap your hands? You looks like you got... Okay. All right. Here's what I want to do. Everybody else be quiet. I want you to clap your hands, shout hallelujah, and praise the Lord like you do, like you're just a crazy person. That's pretty good, wouldn't you say? I mean, I don't know what else she could have done, really, you know? Clapped her hands, shouted, praise the Lord, I got this. And she's just really getting with it, really having at it. Now I want everybody in this place to clap their hands and shout hallelujah. That's, that's just a whole different thing. She gave it all her heart, but she was only one. 